0: Persecution. Um, I'm, I could. There are some things I may. I may take up the series again and talk on some other issues uh, that overlap between you know early Christianity in and around Corinth and other Roman cities and Christianity today. But uh, I, I really need to teach on the Westminster Confession of Faith uh, because we have new members of the, the the church and we really need to be establishing. Or laying down uh, the core doctrines that we believe. Plus, um, Dave pointed out that on um, uh, YouTube there is only one complete series of teaching through the Westminster Confession of Faith that he's found, which is by Jonathan Gerstner. Which, while it is excellent, is a little dated at this point in time. Uh, but so we'll uh, we'll be doing that and hopefully uh, putting this stuff up on YouTube eventually. In the meantime, let's uh, let's go ahead and pray. God, our gracious Father, we ask that you would help us to understand your word and to apply it in our own lives in this time. Help us to understand also that that which has been done before is that which will be done again. Lord, we understand that there truly is, as Solomon said, nothing new under the sun. And that everything that we indulge in in this world is vanity, except for those things that have direct bearing on our life in Christ. I do pray, therefore, that you would help us to remember our maker before the silver cord is loosened and the golden bowl is broken, as we are told to do. And I pray, Lord, that you would help me to to point out the overlap between the life of your saints in the past and the life of your saints today. And may we learn from it. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right. Well, there are... um, uh, following the, now let me back up. For many years now on social media, uh, Christianity, that is Orthodox Christianity, has been taking a battering, to put it mildly. Uh, and one uh, particular article published recently said that uh, if we go back to the 1990s, we can see three different phases of the world's approach to Christianity. Uh, the person who wrote the article said that the, uh, the beginning phases were generally, uh, in the 1990s, were generally favorable. Okay, Christianity wasn't a bad thing. Civil religion was still something that you saw and people didn't get very upset about. Incidentally, what do I mean by civil religion? Reagan, what's civil religion? And, uh, you know, prayers in in, uh, gatherings and things like that. Yeah, Uh, manifestations of God stuff, Um, kind of the American good lord religion. Uh, God, guns, and guts made America great, that kind of thing uh, that we saw in the 1990s. Then a transition began in the 2000s where holding to Christianity was something that was neutral uh, or people did not view it favorably any longer, but neither were they definitely opposed to it. And the author of the article, it's in First Things, incidentally, and I'm struggling even as I sit here to remember his name, but uh, the, uh, the third phase was actually negative, and that we've moved into the negative phase really since, I think he dated it about 2014, and I would absolutely agree with him. Many Christians, though, are not tracking with this. They don't realize... Exactly how negatively Christianity is viewed within our society today. And they're still acting as though they're either in the neutral or the positive uh, phase. Others are panicked. They have no idea how to respond. They feel like something has gone uh, terribly wrong, that Christianity has somehow dramatically changed. And we're seeing all of these articles, ridiculous uh, uh, books and articles about how Christianity is becoming more and more fundamentalists, more and more conservative, what is actually going on is that the culture is moving away from Christianity and Christian ethics and ideals and beliefs at such a rate that uh, Christians appear to be more and more crazy simply because they are moving away from those ideas uh, so very, very quickly. Uh, Those of uh, you who are um, part of the uh, Christian subculture will realize that Christianity is not actually becoming more conservative. Christianity is uh, liberalizing across the board egalitarianism uh, is the norm we've seen that as we've gone through the life in Corinth series that many of the things that um, affected or were part of Roman culture in Corinth uh, are now part of our own culture we're seeing a uh, huge push uh, to normalize in fact uh, in many churches it's it's not even a it's not even an issue any longer uh, of course women will have um, positions in office within uh, the you know, within the church structure the idea that they wouldn't is is simply crazy and um, we are gradually getting uh, to the point where sexual ethics are entirely disappearing uh, as a topic within Christianity. In fact, if we declare uh, these days, we have so-called Christians who attack uh, other Christians uh, merely because they say that they're, they're happy that uh, infanticide was uh, defederalized uh, with the Roe versus Wade uh, decision that you can no longer kill your children in the womb. Uh, by federal edict, now it's up to the states, and uh, many Christians went ballistic about that, and the world you know, sees that as a, as a sign of the Christian theocracy and so on. We are so far from being a theocracy, as you well know, that uh, the idea is silly, but that's the way the world um, views it. Nonetheless, one of the things that uh, is happening is many Christians are seeing this as odd, as bizarre, as something brand new in the Christian world, as though Christianity has always been kind of mealy-mouthed and always generally acceptable, uh, and the world always got along with it, and now there's these crazy radical Christians who come in who have made Christianity unacceptable. When in fact what has happened uh, is that throughout time, the the default position has always been persecute the Christians. Now, what we're going to see as we uh, look um, is the way in which, uh, as we look at, at certain things, uh, the way in which uh, Christianity, Christian beliefs, and so on, were despised and ridiculed within Roman culture, within, uh, certainly within official Roman culture and amongst the intelligentsia yeah, and so on, and how they were viewed as the worst of all people. They were viewed as enemies of mankind uh, by many Romans. But despite that, that the, uh, the, the Christian faith flourished, and spread, and that many obviously uh, were embracing even as Christianity was being uh, demonized and uh, persecuted, people were yet embracing it and we see that happening in places where Christianity is openly persecuted uh, it 's amazing when we consider that there are Christians in North Korea that the Christian faith is uh, is still spreading there. there are Christians in China where it is heavily persecuted, there are even Christians in places like northern Iraq and so on so uh, no matter what the world does. No matter how the devil gnashes his teeth against Christianity, yet the faith doesn't die because the Lord has said that He will not allow it to do so. So we're going to be considering the way that the culture then tra- uh, treated uh, Christianity, and, and hoping to talk about some of the ways that we should react to that, and also looking at some of the um, uh, some of the calls in the first century to faith in the core elements of Christianity and how uh, that was borne out, for instance, not only in the Bible, which is, of course, our primary source in 1 Corinthians 15, but also in other Christian texts. Primarily, we're going to be looking at the last chapter of the Didache and seeing if we can learn anything from it. What is the Didache incidentally? Is it part of the Bible? No. When was it written? Anybody? It was written actually probably in the first century. They used to think it was written in the second century, uh, but now they're, they're dating it much more, uh, much earlier than that, so first century work. What was it, anybody know? The teaching of the no, the Didache was uh, actually, it was a, a, um, a manual for catechumens, that is Christians who were um, going to be presented for baptism. Uh, The scope of its teaching is mostly Christian ethics. It's, uh, It's been called a Manual for Christian Ethics or the Christian life. Um, So its teaching is not heavily theological, although certain things are are made very clear. We're talking about a first century Christian uh, document. It talks about baptism. Uh, It talks about, for instance, uh, how to honor the Sabbath, which is the Lord's day, and it identifies that day as Sunday. So from the very beginning, we see that Christian churches were meeting on Sunday, not the Jewish Sabbath. But anyway, moving on to uh, some other stuff. Let's see what the Romans thought about the Christians okay this is a a, uh, a an example of graffito as it's uh, sometimes called which is uh graffiti mocking uh historical graffiti mocking christianity this was uh, carved into plaster in rome uh, they're not sure when it uh, could be dated to um, but uh, it goes back to somewhere between uh, 150 and 200 uh, now, here you have uh, a figure, a, a kind of a human figure with the head of a, a donkey, uh, and then you have a man who's supposed to be a Christian, and it's Alex Aminos worships his god. Alex Aminos is worshiping who? Who, do they, who are they caricaturing here? Jesus. They're caricaturing Jesus, yeah. So the Romans thought uh, that the idea that they would worship a man as a god as silly, and this is something else that we need to take to heart. Within Roman culture, the idea, and many, many uh, people today have this idea, because they lived back then, that they were all hopelessly superstitious, and that everybody, for instance, if you told somebody uh, somebody had risen from the dead, they would be like, oh, okay, of course, that, that's, that's, a, that's absolutely a possibility. Um, that could happen at any moment. Miracles could happen. People can rise from the dead. Virgins can get pregnant, things like that, no problem. uh, But that's not the case. They understood women do not generally get pregnant without the intervention of a man. They also understood that people who were dead, what happened to them? They tended to stay stay dead, especially when their hearts had been pierced with a spear. Uh, they, They did not expect this kind of person to rise again. So the entire idea of resurrection was not only foolishness to the Greeks because it went right against their philosophy and their philosophy said body bad, spirit good. So the idea of the body rising again was something that they were absolutely appalled by, but also uh, the very idea that the, you know, a body that had been dead for three days that it would come back to life, that was not something that they were willing to immediately embrace. In fact, they thought it was foolishness. So um, I saw some hands, it, it, yes, Margaret's mommy.
1: Mm-hmm. In in their mind, or that they could over that, that they could in, in the physical sense over uh, overcome a god with that he couldn't get himself out. That 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 all of the the, the pragmatic and cultural aspects of looking down on uh, on someone of, of a low esteem. Mm-hmm. Right? it's just a lot of, you know, the cognitive
0: dissonance for their culture. Yeah, um, anybody who believed that kind of thing, they, they believed would be uh, themselves uh, an ass in the sense of, uh, you know, Balaam's uh, riding animal. Um, and graffito back this, uh, back in this time, we need to remember, this is the social media of Rome. You scribbled on the walls uh, to indicate your, your hostility towards various factions and so on. So, um, Christianities have been taking it in the neck on social media since, uh, the very beginning of the Christian faith. Let's go to the next. Uh, I want to read most of Pliny's letter to Trajan because this is, uh, it shows not only what the, uh, early Christians believed, but it also, uh, shows the, uh, first off, one of the things that we need to recognize was that, um, persecution of Christianity was not initially empire-wide, uh. It was not uniform, and also the Romans were still trying to figure out what it was that the Christians believed. So, for instance, there is a portion here where after, under torture, he has examined Christians. One of the questions that he obviously asked them is, what do you eat at your feasts? Because he had obviously heard rumors that they were eating what? Human flesh, right? So uh, he was zealous to figure out what was going on in their church services because there were all sorts of rumors that were spreading about Christians and their beliefs. So let's go ahead and um, let's go ahead and start reading this. Uh, if you want to back up, actually, because it begins on the other one, um, uh, Pliny the Younger. This obviously, the letter itself was uh, dealt um, was written in one twelve A.D. and it's essentially the governor of Bithynia uh, in modern Turkey. Okay, which is where. Paul had established his churches, obviously, writing to uh, Emperor Trajan asking for counsel on dealing with the early Christians. So let's, let's continue. It is my custom, sir, to refer to you in all cases where I do not feel sure, for who can better direct my doubts or inform my ignorance? I have never been present at any legal examination of the Christians. and I do not know, therefore, what are the usual penalties passed upon them or the limits of, these penalty, of those penalties or how searching and inquiry should be made. So obviously he knows that the Christians exist. The Christians are persecuted in many uh, different provinces. How do I go about doing this? What should I do? So he goes to the next. I've hesitated a great deal in considering whether any distinction should be drawn according to the ages of the accused, whether the weak should be punished as severely as the more robust, whether if they renounce their faith, they should be pardoned, or whether the man who has once been a Christian should gain nothing by recanting, excuse me. <coughs> whether the name itself, even though, excuse me, otherwise innocent of crime should be punished, or only the crimes that gather around it. So should you be punished for being a Christian or for the things that you were doing as a Christian? I have hesitated a great deal in considering whether any... Wait. Sorry. Yeah. I have How up. In the meantime, this is the plan which I've adopted in the case of those Christians who have been brought before me. I ask them whether they are Christians. If they say yes, then I repeat the question a second time and a third time, warning them of the penalties it entails. And if they still persist, I order them to be taken away to prison until the Roman governor arrived. Now, one of the things that we see here is they were zealous to try to get the Christians simply to do what? Recant their faith. Okay, they they did not want to be executing Christians wholesale all throughout the provinces, but they are looking uh, merely to cause them to be, um, uh, cause them to to turn away from this dangerous quote superstition that they'd embraced. Let's go to the next. For I do not doubt that whatever the character of the crime may be which they confess, their pertinacity and inflexible obstinacy certainly ought to be punished. There were others who showed similar mad folly whom I reserved to be sent to Rome as they were Roman citizens. That would be like who? Paul. Paul. Uh, Subsequently, as is usually the way, the very act of my taking up this question led to a great increase of accusations, and a variety of cases were brought before me. A pamphlet was issued anonymously containing the names of a number of people, those who denied that they were or had been Christians and called upon the gods in the usual formula, reciting the words after me, those who offered incense and wine before your image. So we see already what's happening. We're getting emperor worship and it's becoming a test of good citizenship. Okay. Uh, which I had given orders to be brought forward for this purpose, together with the statues of the deities, all such I considered should be discharged, especially as they curse the name of Christ, which it is said those who are really Christians cannot be induced to do. Interesting, isn't it? He's already uh, heard that uh, true Christians will never or deny Christ, right? Going to the next. Others whose names were given me by an informer first said that they were Christians and afterwards denied it, declaring that they had been but were so no longer, some of them having recanted many years before and more than one so long as 20 years back. They all worshiped your image and the statues of the deities and cursed the name of Christ. Oh dear, going to the next. But they declared that the sum of their guilt or their error only amounted to this, that on a stated day, they had been accustomed to meet before daybreak and to recite a hymn among themselves to Christ as though he were a God and that so far from binding themselves by oath to commit any crime, their oath was to abstain from theft, robbery, adultery, and from breach of faith, and not to deny trust money placed in their king, uh, keeping when he called upon to deliver it. So what what things can we see were already happening? This is written in 112 amongst the Christians or amongst the Christian community. Yes, Joy. Hmm. People were leaving. Now, uh, those of you, who who remembers a letter specifically dealing with the issue of increasing apostasy amongst Christians? Yes? Hebrew. Hebrews, right. Um, because culturally, it was a big... It, it was a big negative. Well, for Jews, right. you, you got kicked out of your family, you mm-hmm. couldn't do business, you were basically ostracized from society. Uh, that was, right. Right. So, um, back then, and this is something we need to absorb, okay, early Christianity, in 112 AD, okay, we're just one generation after the apostles, right? Well, who was the last of the apostles? John. John, okay. So, people he taught were still alive and preaching, okay? Um, And so, we are dealing with an issue of Christians are already turning away because of social pressure and government persecution, direct and indirect, Right. so uh, you've already seen people who have embraced Christianity and then walked away from it. Not very different from what's going on today, right? Okay. So, um, but that uh, contrary to what they thought and the terrible things they said about them, they were actually were they bad citizens? They were in fact the best of the citizens. Yeah, uh, Joy.
1: cultural network, it's really just, it, it's its still nascent in some senses, right, because it's calling out of the, uh, out of the world. It's not, they're, they're, we're not talking about generations and generations of Christians. Mm-hmm. Whereas we have a, a nominal Christian culture, nominal generation upon generation, depending upon where you are, of Christianity, people are apost- the uh, apost- you know what I mean? That, that's slightly, slightly different. It's kind of like more like the, the Hebrew environment where people
0: are going off. Yeah, it would, have, it would have been at the most two, two generations of Christianity before they right. had exactly. uh, apostatized. Very so, yeah. All right, moving to the next. Uh, when the ceremony was concluded, it had been their custom to depart and meet again to take food, but it was of no special character and quite harmless and they had ceased this practice after the edict in which in accordance with your orders I had forbidden all secret societies. So um, they were afraid even back then that these people were gathering and there was an overtly religious side, but what did they really think that they were there for? Yes? Yeah, that it was uh, political, uh, that all of their designs were political. So do we see that today by any chance? because the Romans thought entirely in terms of politics. Politics were the most important thing to them. Religion was just, you know, the, hey, everybody's religious. We all know that, but politics is what makes the world go round. Is that like the day, uh, like we deal with today? Yeah. yeah. Um, so they saw these secret societies as a threat because of their political nature. And today we see that uh, that's the, the great charge that's brought against people that, um, that uh, the great danger of Christians is their involvement in politics and so on. Moving to the next. Graham, your hand was up, right? Did you have oh, a no, I just to point out an example. For that. Sorry, bad. I thought you were for examples. Okay, what's your example? No, no, no. Too, late? Not too late? It's over, okay. <laughs> the moment is past. The muse is no longer upon you. I got no, 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 it. The matter seems to me worthy of your consideration, especially as there are so many people involved in the danger. Many persons of all ages and of both sexes alike are being brought into peril of their lives by their accusers, and the process will go on. Next. For the contagious uh, contagion of this superstition, by which it means Christianity, has spread not only through the free cities, but to the villages and rural districts. And yet it seems to me that it can be checked and set right. Next. It is beyond doubt that the temples, which have been almost deserted, are beginning again to be thronged with worshipers, that the sacred rites, which have... For a long time, been allowed to lapse, are now being renewed, and that the food for the sacrificial victims is once more finding a sale, whereas up to recently, a buyer was hardly to be found. So, what is he saying? He's saying that there's a, a change has taken place. What change took place initially? That as people embraced Christianity, they stopped doing what? They stopped going to the temple. They stopped offering sacrifices. They were deserted. Now that they are being persecuted heavily, what's going on? There's a revival of paganism going on, okay? Are we seeing a revival of paganism by any chance? Oh, my word, yes. Okay, so it shouldn't surprise us that as nominal Christianity ceases to be acceptable, that paganism arises uh, once again. So, going to the next From this, it is easy to infer what vast numbers of people might be reclaimed if only they were given an opportunity of repentance from turning away from these kind of things. But how wrong he was in the long run. uh, Pliny's idea that the the old religion would eventually uh, win out was absolutely incorrect. Let's go to the next. All right, um, so the next one I want to read from is Cornelius Tacitus, uh, who is talking about a particular... uh, Persecution that occurred within Rome uh, in the 60s, uh, 63 A.D. specifically. What happened, or was was it? 64. Somebody help me out. Great fire of Rome. Nero. Nero. Yes, but 64 A.D. Right? 63 or 64? Can't remember which. One. All right. I will look it up later on. Uh, but in any event, the uh, uh, Nero. Needed uh, a fall guy for the, uh, for the fire, and he decided who was going to be responsible for every bad thing that ever happened? Christians, right? Christians and the lions. Consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations, called Christians by the populace. Yes, 64, 64 AD, thank you. Uh, Next, Christus, for whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate, and a most mischievous superstition, uh, thus checked for the moment again, broke out, not only in Judea, the first source of the evil, but even in Rome, where all things hideous and shameful from every part of the world find their center and become popular. Accordingly, an arrest was first made of all who pleaded guilty. Then upon their information, an immense multitude was convicted, not so much of the crime of firing the city as of hatred against mankind. That's one of the other things that was uh, a common charge that was made against Christians, that they were haters of mankind. They were also called athioi. What does that mean? Atheists. Atheists. Why were they called atheists? They denied one god. Right. They denied the other gods. Now, if you were a worshiper of Zeus within the Roman Empire... Did that mean that you denied the other gods? No. No, quite the opposite, that you believed in all the gods. You just had primary gods. So they didn't mind really who you worshipped. But the idea that these Christians would deny the very existence of all the other gods, that offended the living daylights out of them. It was the you believe we're wrong thing that really inflamed them, Okay, made them angry. Do we see that today? Oh, my. Yeah. It's not even if you keep it to yourself. It's the you have to agree with us. You have to come out and say this is okay. Otherwise, we hate you. So um, moving to the next. Mockery of every sort was added to their deaths, covered with the skins of beasts. They were torn by dogs and perished or nailed to crosses or doomed to the flames and burnt to serve as a nightly illumination when daylight had expired. They literally used Christians as tiki torches for their parties. Moving to the next. Uh, Nero offered his gardens for the spectacle and was exhibiting a show in the circus while he mingled with the people in the dress of a charioteer or stood aloft on a car, which is a chariot moving to the next. Uh, Hence, even for criminals who deserved extreme and exemplary punishment, there arose a feeling of compassion, for it was not as it seemed for the public good, but to glut one man's cruelty that they were being destroyed. Indeed, Um, and we see often that politicians will turn the hatred of the people against a scapegoat, okay, and this has often been Christians, so it shouldn't surprise us when political parties fix their hatred upon, uh, upon Christians and Christianity and political leaders begin accusing them of, uh, of all sorts, all manner of, of uh, wickedness, so moving to the next. Uh, This is actually by Lucian of Samosata, who uh, was a Greek poet. He wrote epic poems. In his work, The Death of Peregrine, written around 170 AD, Lucian of Samosata wrote, "Uh, The Christians you know worship a man to this day, the distinguished personage who introduced their novel rites and was crucified on that account. Uh, The poor wretches have convinced themselves first and foremost that they're going to be immortal and live for all time, in consequence of which they despise death and even willingly give themselves into custody, most of them. Furthermore, their first lawgiver persuaded them they are all brothers of one another. They have, after they have transgressed once for all by denying the Greek gods and by worshipping that crucified sophist himself and living under his laws. Who's the crucified sophist he's speaking of? Jesus, Jesus. right. So please keep in mind, this man is, he's not part of the government. Uh, he uh, He was a writer. He was a poet, so this is this was the view of the literary society within uh, within that time. Uh, but the, generally, the view of the intelligentsia within the Roman Empire. What did they think of the Christians?
2: Political adversaries.
0: Well, they not just political adversaries. They thought they were yeah. morons. Okay, absolute morons. Yes. Sure. Yes, his annals are a history of... Uh, he, he hated Nero, obviously, and so he, uh, uh, he almost wants to be sympathetic towards the Christians, but as a good Roman, he can't. So y- y- you understand, within Roman society, the people at the top, the people in the literary, the chattering classes and so on, um, are hated Christianity as a general rule. One of the things that Paul says, obviously, is that not many, what? Not many are... Uh, this particular class are called to Christian, uh, Christianity. Not many of the, the wise in the worldly sense. Not many of the people who have titles. Not many of the people who have honors uh, tend to, to go into Christianity. Why is that? Why was that in the Roman time? Yes, Joey? And then. Okay. Yeah, there's the election issue. Um, Keith, and then uh, Saul? Uh, it's because people tend to
2: kind of rest in their own ability.
0: Yeah. So the 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 more that you have to rest on in this world, in a material sense, the least likely it is that you're going to turn to Christ's Son. Okay. Um, And they had more to lose within the social structure. Okay. Uh, The uh, you know from our point of view. The politicians, the writers, the playwrights, the officers in the military and so on, they all had much more to lose by becoming a Christian than they would ever gain by being a Christian. And even in the times when nominal Christianity was acceptable, let's let's face it. Nominal Christianity was what was wanted from the people, not real Christianity. During the time of the uh, the Puritans, for instance, um, you know the, the uh, everybody was expected to be a Christian. They were expected to be a little religious, but never to take it very seriously. Why do you, you know? It was uh, Perkins was asked by one of his neighbors, "Why do you uh, Puritans have to be so precise?" And his answer was, "Oh, sir, I serve a precise God." But uh, the king wanted. Subjects who were Christian in name, but weren't given over, so given over to Christianity, for instance, that they wouldn't lie for him, that they wouldn't sin in order to uh, advance, so to speak, the uh, the interests of the crown. Um, and so it's it's always been the case through history that real devotion to Christ is not the way to advance uh, in terms of the social uh, strata. So uh, and even uh, even. Wait a minute, that's the next one. Okay, uh, even Billy Graham, for instance, in terms of uh, his acceleration, uh, he picked up a lot more energy when he began to uh, broaden his Christianity and dumb it down. All right, so let's go ahead and actually read. Oh, crumbs, this is wrong. Is that right? It's supposed to be 1 Corinthians 15. Could you see if the, the, uh, the next... Uh, actually, open up the slide, if you would, and make the change. I probably did not press the... Just. It's
1: right. It's listed as 15.
0: Okay, so you've got to press the. Uh, there's a little arrow button that looks like a, an arrow going forward. You actually have to press on the right hand side. There, there you go. Okay, who would like to read? Who wants to? All right, right. Ben, you can start, and then we we'll Keith take it up after that. Okay.
2: More of a brother, and declare to you the gospel which I preached to you. Which also you received, in which you stand, by which also you were saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believe, it going
0: to I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: for I delivered to you uh, first of all that which I also received: that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that He was buried and he rose again the third day
0: according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve. Okay, next.
2: Huh. After that, he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. <clears throat> After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born. I am the least of the apostles. Who am I who
1: am not worthy? something witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise uh, whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise for if the dead do not rise then Christ is not risen
0: okay and uh, Greg
1: and if Christ is not risen and your faith is too tough you are still in your sins then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished if in this life only we have hope in Christ we are all we are of all men the most pitiable. but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become uh, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep
0: okay so he grounds that is paul grounds our faith in what what fact Christ, Christ. the the fact of Christ's resurrection okay we believe Uh, what happened not based upon some story, uh, oh, I heard from so-and-so that this happened uh, in a different region or so on. Paul says that he actually, in the beginning of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, what, that he had, yeah, he had actually met not only Christ, uh, he was seen by Cephas and then by the 12, uh, that he was seen by over 500 brethren of whom the greater part remain to the present when he's writing uh, in the 50s and 60s. Um, and uh, after that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then at last, he was seen also by, uh, as by one born out of new ti- uh, due time himself. He was seen by him when? On the, On the road to Damascus. Okay, so this isn't a plausible story that he heard or some sort of crazy superstition that was being mingled. He says, your faith is based upon something that uh, seems incredible but actually happened. Your faith is based upon eyewitness tem- uh, testimony. Um, and the, the point that he is trying to make is not that, you know, believe this because, uh, um, you know, it would be very nice to believe it. He's actually saying believe it because it happened. And he's saying if it didn't happen, well, then what's the inevitable conclusion? I mean, some people would say, well, even if Christ didn't rise from the dead, does that really matter? I mean, then we, we still have all of this ethical teaching and so on. That's still, that's good enough, right? What does Paul say? Yeah, we're still in our sins. There's no, there's no hope for us if he hasn't risen from the dead. All right, so uh, this teaching of the resurrection and the life to come, uh, if you go to the next, um, was something that Christian catechumens, as they were coming into the church, were, um, were taught uh, that they might uh, have hope in the midst of persecution thinking it's not merely this life that I'm living for, but it's the life to come, and all of the things that will, uh, will happen. So here's the dedicate. Incidentally, what are the things in the background there? Anybody tell me? Yeah, that's an, uh, okay, we got a fish, we got an ectos. I, I'm, I, I'm not sure what the swastika indicated that uh, you know, an early Christian cross, you have the shepherd. Um, you have the anchor, uh, which incorporated the cross as well. You have the Cairo uh, symbol. These are all, this is uh, graffiti from the, uh, the catacombs where the, um, the Christians were meeting for worship, going to the next. So chapter 16, watch concerning your life. Let not your lamps be quenched or your loins be loosed, but be ye ready, for you know not the hour at which our Lord cometh. Uh, But be ye gathered together frequently, seeking what is suitable for your souls, for the whole time of your faith shall profit you not, unless ye be found perfect in the last time. Uh, For in the last days false prophets and seducers shall be multiplied, and the sheep shall be turned into wolves, and love shall be turned into hate. Uh, And because iniquity aboundeth, they shall hate each other, and persecute each other, and deliver each other up. And then shall the deceiver of the world appear as the Son of God, and shall do signs and wonders. And the earth shall be delivered into his hands, and he shall do unlawful things such as have never happened since the beginning of the world. Uh, Then shall the creation of man come to the fiery trial of proof, and many shall be offended and shall perish. But they who remain in their faith shall be saved by the rock of offense itself. And then shall appear the signs of of the truth. First, the sign of the appearance in heaven. Then the sign of the sound of the trumpet. And thirdly, the resurrection of the dead. So all these things happening the same time at the end of time. And not, uh, not of all, but as it has been said, the Lord shall come and all his saints with him. <laughs> then shall the world behold the Lord coming on the clouds of heaven. That's it? That's it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then shall the world behold the Lord coming on the clouds of heaven. Um, so where was he telling them to place their faith? Or what was the dedicate telling men to place their faith? <laughs> in the resurrection of Christ and in the certainty of his second coming. Where do we place our faith in the resurrection of Christ and the certainty of a second coming? Not that we're going to somehow Christianize the entire world and that uh, the day will come when uh, everything will be perfect and la, 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 la. And we'll be like Smurfs uh, living in Smurf Village. Yes. Yes. On a shepherd carrying a. a, So. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not where the uh, the Christians got it, though. I've seen it in um, in Hinduism, for instance, uh, and you'll find it in Buddhist temples as well. So it's a reoccurring symbol, uh, coming up again again. Say what?
2: In the Far East, it's flipped.
0: Hmm. There you Instead go. Of Instead of part this part way, is it's correct. the other way. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Yes, Graham.
2: What does the PX
0: stand for? Cairo, Christus Rex. Ah, Cairo. Christ the King. Um, any other questions about this before we? I'm going to go ahead and dismiss the kids for their their final their final talk. Farewell. Okay, so my, my question is, how do we how do we apply what we have learned about um, the way that the life of early Christians in their culture was not too terribly different from uh, the life of present-day Christians in our uh, in our culture? What's the application of all that? Is there is there anything that uh, that helpful that we can find? In the midst. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jesus wasn't kidding when he said, you know, the, uh, the service is not greater than the master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you as well. Um, Joy? Yeah. Uh, everything um, that's been done to Christians now is something that's been done to Christians in the past. So um, it's nothing. We're not experiencing anything, anything truly new. So, other thoughts. Yes, Jamie.
1: The persecution didn't last forever.
0: Yes. Okay. Uh, that and also there were um, uh, the persecution didn't go like this. Persecution went like this, and then. Gradually, it, it subsided until you had nominal Christianity, but that was not a growth time for Christianity once the persecution uh, stopped. One of the things also that I hope you'll see is actually persecution is, is um, the crucible in which uh, Christianity does best. Um, it's the dross is purged away, uh, gu- the gold shines. Uh, when everybody uh, can you know, get a pat on the back for declaring that they're a Christian is not generally the time when uh, true Christianity flourishes. Also, uh, it's in times of persecution that you see the separation of walk Wheat and chaff, yeah. The wind winds of persecution blow through, and the chaff goes away. So um, the chaff inevitably throws its, uh, its lot in with the world. All right, so it should not surprise us when we see lots of, uh, you know, supposedly, you know, Christian celebrities um, throwing in their lot with the, with the world. It never surprises me when, you know, a Gen Hatmaker or an Andy Stanley or whoever, you know, one of the, uh, the Christian celebs um, who desperately wants the love and attention of the culture uh, is suddenly re- repudiating biblical Christianity and throwing in their lot with, uh, with whatever the, the culture wants to hear. So um, tickling ears is nothing, nothing new. Paul warned about it. So um, it was a problem in Paul's day. It's going to be a problem in our day. It's going to be a problem till uh, till Jesus comes back. So, yes. Uh, what? How does that? How should that affect the way that we live in the world, though? Yes. Go It Should
1: I mean in in that it should as you seek to bear witness. Mm-hmm. It might. Choices
0: look bigger. But okay. They're still the same choices. All right. The one, yes. Go ahead, Rhoda. I mean, I know I've heard to say this twice in the
2: past two weeks that.
0: One of the things that um, that uh, you know Lucian and other uh, other groups of people have pointed out was that many of the Christians in their age were essentially battering at the uh, the doors of the Colosseum in an attempt to, to be martyred. Uh, that that really is not the calling of Christians. I mean, Jesus is the one who told us if you're persecuted in one city, what should you do? You should flee to another. Um, and uh, you know if you can't flee any longer, then and you accept your your persecution, but um,
2: uh, it's
0: not <coughs> it's not necessarily the the greatest thing that we can do um, in a, any given setting to to be killed for our faith. It may become uh, necessary for us <coughs> to die for our faith. The Christian, you're called primarily to to live for your faith in this world, which is sometimes harder than simply laying down your life. Um, so that's something that we're we're called to do. Where where are we going to have to be extra, um, a, in terms of applying these truths, okay? That, that the persecution that happened in uh, places like Corinth uh, is, is analogous to the persecution that comes uh, to place today. Where, where are we going to, who, who do we need to help the most with that, um, with that process? Yes, Joyce? New Christians, people who are coming in, yeah, because a lot of, and one of the things that our evangelism, that evangelistically we have to stop uh, if we're doing it is we have to stop telling people that, um, you know, uh, become a Christian, your life will get better. Your life in this world will get better. It won't, okay? Uh, C.S. Lewis was right when he said, uh, I, I didn't become a Christian to make me happy. I always knew that a glass of brandy would do that. Uh, was it port? Your short's port. Okay. All right, you're probably right. A glass of port would do that. Um, it's, it's. Uh, it, we we don't we don't become Christians in order to benefit uh, in a material sense, in a social sense, and so on. If you become a Christian expecting people who are going to love you, you're in it for the wrong thing. Um, and if you try to be a Christian and get the world to love you, you've got your uh, you've got your feet simultaneously in two different boats. Uh, and that does not work out very well. If you've ever tried that experiment, try putting one foot in a canoe, one canoe, and then the other foot in another canoe, and see if you can uh, stay upright without falling in the drink in between. So you got to make, and it means you've got to make a decision: okay, Are you going to are you going to serve the world uh, for what little it can give you in the in the present, or are you going to serve Christ, uh, the kingdom? I want to suggest also that the people who are going to need the heart uh, the most help with this are going to be kids uh, growing up in that environment. Um, but I also want to suggest to you that nothing except genuine faith is going to be able to get you through this persecution. All right. um, the, the hatred of the world is so intense uh, and people hate being hated so much that uh, it's going to be a time when uh, a, lot of, a lot of kids who aren't genuinely you know, sold out for Christ are going to give up and walk away. Um, because there's nothing in the social credit sense that they get from being Christians other than the abuse of their um, uh, their fellow citizens. So, yes?
1: And I, you know, and Boston goes on about mm-hmm. the Thomas Boston, yeah. Crook in the Law. Right. Okay. Um, and, and in some senses, to be a Christian youth here, it is kind of like Mm-hmm. So the question, the right question might be asked, but the, the come and die is not attractive or right. is asking too much in my driving you
0: know, Yeah. One, one thing also kind of jumping off that slightly, is it should, if we look back at what happened in the past, it should give us hope for the future. I hope that it does give you hope for the future in this. You saw how Pliny was being a triumphalist, right? right. Persecution is destroying the Christian faith. Paganism is arising again, and we'll, we'll beat them, okay? Pretty soon, this terrible superstition will be trod underfoot and all gone, when, in fact, it was paganism that eventually was trodden underfoot and disappeared. Um, Christianity, uh, or uh, what is it? Rumors of Christianity's demise are greatly exaggerated. Uh, we see everywhere around the, you know, the the kind of the Romanesque, not not the architecture, Romanesque. Uh, um, persecution uh, that occurred in the in the first century and the second century coming in once again, and we might uh, suspect, well, Christianity is going to disappear. But the fact is, it's not. It will continue on. It always has. Um, so we need not give up hope because we have uh, we have precious promises given to us, um, and we have most importantly the promises of Christ. And Christians can and will. So we merely need to hold on and look forward to the, uh, to the promises that are given. Not that we'll be suddenly treated very, very well. That's not what we're looking forward to. What are we looking for? To quote Christian, life, life, eternal life. We're, that's what we're, we're, we're headed towards. So we need to take uh, Pilgrim's Progress more to heart and see how you know going through this world is a difficult endeavor, but it ends in... Glory, okay? No worldling can, can say that. One of the things we need to remember, and you, know, you can present this as part of your gospel uh, presentation as well, uh, all of the pleasures, oh, let, let me put it in the other way first, all of the hardships, all of the pain, all of the suffering that a Christian will ever endure occur on this side of glory. And they are very short by comparison. They all go away the moment we die. Okay. Whereas all of the good things, all of the pleasures, and all of uh, all of the the comforts that a worldling has, also occur on this side, uh, temporarily, and they all go away the moment they die. So you have made the right choice. You have uh, you have chosen correctly when you've chosen to follow Christ uh, and to uh, continue in His footsteps. Any other thoughts before we uh, we close? As I said, this is. The last uh, one I'm gonna be doing for this particular season, and we'll be turning our attention to the Westminster Confession of Faith and the core doctrines. Yes? So Right. Right. And and people can become Christians for the wrong reasons. You know, um, many people became Christians uh, initially um, for the fellowship aspects, uh, for the, the mutual support uh, that it, um, it gave. If you're not following Christ out of love for Christ and the desire to um, uh, to follow Him and seeking after eternal life, you're, you're not following Him for the right reasons. So. Um, that's often the case. But certainly, uh, we need to turn away, I, I think, also from any sort of appeals to, um, to social advancement or normalization. And uh, one of the things that we need to also understand is compromises, you know, compromising our faith is, is a, it's, first off, it's a waste of time. They're not going to love you uh, if you become a compromiser. And secondly, whose name are we, are we blaspheming when we compromise? It's Christ, yeah. So stand, stand fast, Chris.